Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode 666, woo, on my podcast, the hometown to rambling right here on the Talk Show Network, one of the longest running single host of pop culture podcasts in Ontario. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Russell Hale, and welcome to the first show of October, <laughs> spookiest month of the year. Now, normally, Ramblers, I like to, you know, kind of do something spooky for each episode of this month. I don't know if I can deliver that this year. I I, I tried to do like a Halloween special, but I'm not sure if fates will align this year for that kind of thing. I will try to do some spooky things if I can, and more on that at the end of the show. Not news-wise much to talk about. I'll probably remember something later, and then I'll, I'll go, ah, oh, I should put it in. But we're going to get to what's on the show this week because, man, as I keep telling you folks, every freaking year, September, October is like the busiest time of year for me when it comes to videos. I, you know, thanks to the generous people that send me stuff, you know, including Warner Brothers and Paramount. They keep me busy. Uh, so there's a lot on the docket coming up. A good mixture of things, too, both live action and animation. On this show, though, we're going to kick things off with a brand new... Uh, I, I, a digital movie review of a brand movie that has just been released in theaters and digitally uh, around the world uh, not too long ago. And that is Dead for a Dollar from Quiver, courtesy of Quiver Distribution, a very interesting Western. You're going, wow, Russ, you're going to talk about a Western on the show. Yes, I am. <laughs> With William Defoe, of all people. Mm. And then we're going to go from, you know, the wild, wild west to a uh, wild town. I'm telling you, full of prisons and inmates. It is the mayor of Kingstown on Blu-ray, season one, courtesy of Paramount Home Pictures Entertainment, starring Jeremy Renner and from the creators of Yellowstone. So love that. Let me go from the, uh, you know, mean streets of Kingstown to the streets of Metropolis for an animated movie review this time. It is a, uh, a new look and an old character, if you will. It is on 4K Blu-ray review of the DC League of Super Pets. Courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment with good old Crypto the Super Doc. This time voiced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and it's not the old TV show. More on that later. And then round things off, we're going, we're going to go from some super super heroic, you know, animals to uh, another heroic movie, if you will. This of uh, the more live action theme with my digital movie review of Thor, Love and Thunder, 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 courtesy of Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment. Yes, I finally 
got a chance to check out that movie and see the theater. And I'll give you my take on the fourth installment of the Thor franchise. That's all right here on this edition of Rambo with Russell. So I'm going to take the music interlude right up the first review of the show. My first digital movie review for this episode is Dead for a Dollar, courtesy of Quiver Films Distribution. Now, as I said at the top of the show, you know, I you don't hear me review a lot of westerns on this program. But every once in a while, you know, I enjoy a good western. It's not like I enjoy them all the time. I mean, there's good old ones like The Quick of the Dead. You know, that's a really good old western. And, and there's some, you know, here and there that, I, you know, if it's well written, <laughs> it's well acted, I'll check it out. I couldn't watch westerns all the bloody day because it would drive me nuts. But, you know, I, I channel my old late grandfather my, on my mom's side, and he was a sucker for a good Western. And sometimes I am if it's well done. <laughs> this movie stars the um, your main character is Christopher Waltz, uh, is the character of Max Bru- uh, Borland, played by Christopher Waltz. And he is uh, kind of like a, a bounty hunter that gets hired to wrangle in, if you will, the character of Rachel Kitt, played by uh, Rachel Braz Nahanan. Uh, who is a, a woman who has run away. Well, they say she's been kidnapped and her husband, uh, Martin Kidd, played by Hamish Linklater, has been, he's hired um, Max to track down his wife and the man she ran off with. So that's basically the plot there. Complicating the matters is the character of Joe Cribbins, played by William Defoe. Now, I, I give all crop, you know, props to William Defoe, man. He... He is not slowing down in his acting. He was terrific in Spider-Man No Way From Home. Of course, you can listen to that review right here on this channel a few episodes back. And he's really picking up his game. And I don't know if I've ever seen him in a Western before. But as and uh, this character works well because Joe and Max have a history. They kind of establish that first on. And, and, and that kind of plays out through this. This is one of these Westerns. It reminds me of like a modern day spaghetti Western. If you love the kind of stuff like, you know, um, fist to fistful of dollars and a few dollars, more, the old Clint Eastwood spaghetti Western kind of feel, it has that feel to it. It really does. And I, I like that. I don't often see that anymore. <laughs> and for me, that works. Now, the other kind of well-known name in this one is Benjamin Bratt. He plays Tiberio Vargas. So he's in this. So that's one of the names, you know, you kind of have heard more before. Although I've seen him do a lot lately. <laughs> so it's very much the, the spaghetti western kind of style where, you know, it's 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 good guys trying to do good and bad men being bad. And it's gorgeously shot. Like I'm watching this in digital. I would love to see this on like Blu-ray or 4K. Because <laughs> as a western looks gorgeous. It really does. I like uh, the feel of it. It has that kind of old-timey feel, but it, you know, it is, it, it, it still is, um, still looks like gorgeous for, for, you know, for uh, an older movie. Now, this movie is directed by Walter Hill. Now, you're thinking to yourself, hey, wait a minute, Walter Hill, where have I heard that name before? Well, he has a pretty good film directory. This guy, you know, has been working for a very long time. 
And his writing credits, and there's been a few of them, uh, include movies like, you know, we're going, we're going back to Red Heat. He was a producer of Red Heat, executive producer of Aliens. He did some Tales from the Crypt Keeper, Tales from the Crypt, even their Bordello Blood. There's a fun movie. <laughs> but director-wise, uh, we're talking, <laughs> this man has had a, you know, pretty good career. He did 48 Hours, which is a great Eddie Murphy movie. We're talking old school Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you know, he did, uh, I said Red Heat. And so he's had a, a good career when it comes to movies. Now, he hasn't done a lot. You know, this last one was the assignment back in 2016. You know, so he's taken a few years off. And I don't blame the guy. I mean, he's not a spring chicken. He was born in 1942. So he's getting up there. But it's still nice to see that he's still, you know, going going around and, and directing. And it, it, I think of it feels like a 48 hours, maybe in a way, but, you know, more of a Western kind of feel. Anyway, uh, it, it's, it's a good, it's a good kind of old school, new school kind of Western movie. It, uh, it, it really, the tension really builds up the, the, the gunplay. Holy moly. The body, <laughs> the body count of this movie is pretty high. It's it's one of these westerns like, you know, back in the west, the your life expectancy, if you weren't really careful, was kind of short. And and th there's one scene in it uh, where where they come into town, and 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 they, they go to the sheriff, and he's like, oh oh, you need to you need to take care of some guys, you know, they're in the saloon, and the way they just march in and go, bram 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 bram, and then problem solved. <laughs> it's just so badass. It's like, man, that, that is a little TCB right there, man. That is some severe TCB, man. Take care of business. Uh, yeah, and I like, I like the musical score for it. It just really sat well. So if you're looking for like a good old school Western and you want to see, you know, William Defoe kind of <laughs> keep on acting really well, this is definitely one to check out. So that is my take of Dead for a Dollar. Courtesy of the great folks at Quiver Films Distribution. Sleep. It's out. 
TV show on Blu-ray review for this episode is The Mayor of Kingstown, season one, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, this is a series that is from the co-creator of Yellowstone. So that's kind of cool. You have a very Yellowstone vibe with this TV show. It revolves around a, a community that has, uh, has a lot of prisons and a lot of inmates surrounding it. And it's balanced... Uh, of, of of balancing the the mayor of this town is trying to balance the things between the prisoners, the guards, and the street thugs. So the, it's it's trying to maintain that law and order in a town where there isn't a lot of order and there isn't a lot of law. And and you know it's nice to see you know the the, the Taylor, Sher Taylor Sheridan doing like a different sort of show with this, and it really is. Uh, when it comes to it. And the it, the main plot revolves around the character of Mike McCluskey, played by Jeremy Renner. And it's a 10-episode series, so it's not very long. These are very short. And then in the show, he has a younger brother named Kyle, played by Taylor Handley. And then he has a, a uh, another brother as well, too, Mitch. But <laughs> unfortunately... And, and this is a slight spoiler here, but, you know, it happens pretty early on. Mitch, unfortunately, does not last very long, you know, in, in the show. He has a very short but pivotal role to play in this series. And, you know, it's, it's <laughs> I, I would love to have seen how they approached the actor who played him. Because it was like, you know, like Kyle Chandler, who, of course, was in um, that TV show with the newspaper that he could see the future. That's last time I almost remember him on. I let that I preach with the role of Mitch. Like, hey, this is a great new show. It's coming up. You're going to be one of the main characters, but you're not going to last more than one episode. <laughs> but his departure kind of then thrusts the Jeremy Renner's character into the spotlight and then and then and kind of drags his brother Kyle along. Now the way it works is that Mitch and Jeremy basically ran Mitch and Mike McCluskey ran a, a service where they kind of skirted the edges of the law trying to negotiate peace between these three groups three groups, right? You got the criminals in the prison, you got the criminals outside the prison, and then you have the, you know, the guards and the, the cops and all that kind of stuff, right? And Kyle is a cop. He's married and has a wife. And there and uh, Mike and and um, Kyle's mother, uh, Miriam McCluskey, is played by Diane Weist. And it's really cool to see Diane in something else. And she plays a teacher who teaches at the prison. So she's involved in it. And she doesn't like her sons being involved in this business because uh, you get the impression that their father was also kind of in the same thing. And she sees her sons coming down the same path. And she's like, you know, I don't really like you doing this, but I can't stop you from doing it. So, so, so uh, Mitch's departure 
sets off a string of events for poor, you know, poor, uh, poor Mike has to kind of pick up the slack. And you get the impression while watching these 10 episodes that he really doesn't want to do this, but he doesn't know to do anything else. I mean, his, his best interest would be to get the out of Dodge, right? But he doesn't know what else to do. And he feels he could be of service here. Now, this is a very violent show. I'm going to warn you now, this feels like it should be an HBO show. <laughs> because, I mean, right at the stop, right at the first episode, I don't know what it is about Taylor Sheridan, man. And this goes to, um, <clears throat> this goes to Yellowstone, this goes to 1883. There's a theme of, you know, hits the fan really early on in a show. Like, death is, looms very quickly <laughs> in his programs, and this is no exception to it. And, and, it, and this is actually based on a community in Ontario. They didn't go much into detail. I just kind of said up here, but very interesting. Also along the cast, and this is a really good cast of characters in this. You have Hugh Dillon as Ian. And Hugh Dillon is also part of the producing team. And and if you think to yourself, Hugh Dillon, where have I heard the name Hugh Dillon before? This man has done so much acting. It is crazy, crazy. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he actually is in Yellowstone as well as the sheriff. So there you go. You've seen him in that. And you're thinking, wait, no, I've seen him in something else before, but I can't remember where I've seen it. Flashpoint. He was actually Ed Lane in Flashpoint. He was also in, he was also Mike Sweeney in Durham County, which I have interviewed on this show many, many, many years ago. That goes way back to 2007, like the early years of the show. I reviewed the whole run of Durham County, all three or four seasons of it. So yeah, I've, <laughs> it's funny how he just keeps coming into my life again. This man has had a really good career. I mean, he's been acting. Like, his first acting gig was, like, 1994. And he keeps getting these really interesting roles. So, so he's a, a fairly important character. He plays kind of the partner to Kyle, like the police, you know, kind of, I guess, yeah, his, his, like, police partner, like, detective partner kind of deal. <laughs> so that that's cool. I mean, it's nice to see him. I, anything I've ever seen that guy in, he has done really well in. And this is, you know, no exception to the rule. And, and then you have just another huge cast of characters that, that make up this world. And and you can tell, and, and, at, and then there's also this character in this show of Milo Sunter, right, played by Aiden Gillen who is one of the most chilling kind of criminals. He's very, like, imagine Hannibal Lecter, but no fava beans and all that kind of stuff. But creepy nonetheless. And he and he's, he's one of those guys that, even though he's in prison, it doesn't mean he's not powerful. So he's a major character that deals with, with Mike. And this whole season, it's funny. You can feel like the tension building and building and building until the very last episode. Also introduced uh, in the show is the character of um, Iris, played by Emma Laird. She is a, a young woman who gets sent in by Milo to kind of, I don't know, get some kind of control over Mike. That 
has a very interesting effect. And she's an, she's an odd actress because she's like super skinny, almost in an anorexic way. And it's a really tough role for her to play. There are some scenes in this and it's like, I don't know what headspace you went in to get you to get through that, but that's it's pretty intense, man. There's There's some really... Yeah, tough stuff. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of things like if if you can't stand, you know, violence on women, you can't like stand seeing women just a woman getting like beat the snot out of her. This may be hard to watch. You know, it's, it was close to like uh, some scenes in Outlander, right, where it was like, oof, that's hard to watch. <laughs> so keep that in mind with it, especially a scene with a hammer and a hand. Ouch. I mean, the, the Foley work did really well with this. So you have, she's in the mix. And the, I said, this whole 10 episodes, 10 episode season, it builds and builds and builds to a huge crescendo at the end of it. Like the, the crap really hits a fan at the end of season 10. And then something happens in that episode. It happens really quick. And if you're not paying attention to the screen, you're totally going to miss it. And I saw that, and without giving things away, I'm thinking like, wow, was that what just happened? Was that the plan all along? You know, was that something planned, or was that just on the spur of the moment? And, you know, opportunity arose, and then that happened. It really makes you think about it. You see that scene, and you think, man, do I have to go back and I'll watch all these episodes before to see if, you know, if, if seeds were planted about this or is, you know, just somebody taking advantage of an opportunity. Really, you know, it's a neat little development and <laughs> makes, it's going to make for some interesting situations um, come, come season two and the fallout of what happens after the end of season one. Because I'm very curious to see where it goes. Because there is going to be some definite fallout for a number of reasons on what happens. And pretty impressive how it's done. I mean, I, you know, that's a lot of extras they had to employ for that. Overall, a fun season. You really get to know Mike. And, and he's just not, not a guy you want to mess with. It's kind of like Hawkeye. But imagine Hawkeye... Kind of like, what if he stayed Ronan, right? What if he stayed a guy that just just did what he had to do and F the consequences, right? It's all for the, quote, greater good. That's how it is. And I think, you know, short of the Avengers movies, this is one of the best performances I've seen from Jeremy Renner, man. He really does a good job with this role. And, and he can go from zero to 60 really fast. Like, when he does intensity... Yeah, he does intensity, and and it really works for this series. Overall, I would recommend this if if you're not squeamish, because there are scenes that get really intense. So I will warn you, if you have small children, maybe not the show you should be watching around them, (laughs) just because of the intensity of some of the scenes. In a lot of ways, Yellowstone is like that too. So it it does feel like a a Taylor Sheridan show, and, and that's not a bad thing to, about it. Now, when it comes to extras, as I, as I was talking about you guys with, with, the, with, you know, with the previous Yellowstone releases in 1883, they, you know, they don't shine the extras 
on this. And I like that. You know, it's too many shows now. And, and I'll get into this when I review um, uh, Peacemaker later. Uh, not in this episode. When, when the, the Peacemaker episode comes out. A lot of TV shows have really cut back on on extras, right? But I'll, I'll give props to Taylor. I mean, whatever show he's in, he definitely is is keeping with the extras. And this show is no exception. For each of the 10 episodes spread across three Blu-rays, you do get a behind the story. This is very much like what Warner and HBO started with inside the story. And it's kind of cool to see that Paramount is going like, hey, you know, that's a good idea. And what those are, those these are, you know, f- uh, featurette uh, for each each episode of the show. Like, it's only short. It's like, you know, two, three minutes, whatever. But for each episode. And I believe, you know, Warner's kind of started the ball rolling. It's nice to see that Paramount's going like, you know, that's a good idea. We should kind of do that too. So you get that. So it's very HBO-like that way. So, th- so those are spread out, uh, you know, with each of the episodes on each of the discs. In addition to that, you're thinking, well, that's pretty good on itself, right? A lot of shows don't even go to that bother. No, you get more. You get mo mo mo. You get a you get perdition, uh, yeah, perdition, the making of the mayor of Kingstown. So it's a nice featurette, just going over you know general points about making of the of the TV show. You get zero sum game, the the finale. It's <laughs> a featurette on what happens in the finale, and like I say, a lot happens. So it's good that they did a featurette just on that episode. Inside the mayor of Kingstown, this is a good little featurette as well, kind of. Again, going to more of the you know behind the scenes of it, and then you get uh, an interest uh, a, a bunch of extras, and these are the people of Kingstown. So you get meet Mayor McCluskey, Mike McCluskey, meet Mitch McCluskey, meet Mary McCluskey. So you get those three. So these are three of each of the actors behind those characters, kind of talking about their experiences on the show. Then you get cast favorite scenes, right? So these are what the each of the cast members pick as their favorite scenes of the first season. And this comes from um, Toby, uh, Nishi, Emma, uh, Arden, and Hugh. So all those uh, actors and actresses get to share that they feel were their favorite scenes of the seasons. So that's kind of neat. Uh, what is missing in here? No gag reel. Like, come on. That's a little bit annoying. Most shows at least do a gag reel. And no commentary. And this is a show I would love to see commentary on at least either the, the the first episode of the pilot and the finale. If there's any two episodes that deserve commentary, should have been on at least those two. So that is the extras. Not bad, but, you know, a little like, you know, how much could have hurt them to do that? Now, I did want to comment on the packaging of this release. Now, normally, you know, unless there's something big, I don't comment much on packaging these days. But for this release, this is a trend I'm starting to see, and I don't like how I'm seeing it. So, as I said, they have three Blu-rays come with this set. Now, normally, you think of three Blu-rays. Okay, they're going to have, like, uh, a case where it's going to be one on one side, one on the other side, normal case, and then maybe you have the second disc is like a flippy in between, right? Like that's, we've seen that before, right? Ramblers, you know, we've seen that kind of set up and I like that because it protects each of the discs. Well, <laughs> I don't know why this is becoming a trend and it's not just Paramount I'm, I'm going against with this. But Paramount decided for this release, instead of making, you know, that extra insert flippy thing, they said, nah, 
We're not going to do that. We're going to make a, a standard double case. And we are going to stack uh, two discs on top of each other on the right side. Instead of making an extra middle flippy thing. And I don't know why I decided to do that. I don't like stacking. It really, you really risk, although not as bad as DVDs, scratching one of the, the bottom surface of one of the discs. And I, uh, I mean, I guess it saves like a wee bit of space. But really, the inconsistency of it, because I've seen them do the flips before. I mean, a lot of the DVDs, say for a fiber, they're, they're, they're stacked, but they're stagger stacked, and there's a flip. These are like one stacked on top of the other. And then that's, I don't know, it's really not the way to go. It's the only gripe I really have is just, I would have preferred... Um, you know, uh, uh, a flip in the middle to separate each of the discs. But that, that's the way it is, and I can't control that. Overall, if you're looking for, you know, a kind of cop, kind of prison, gritty drama, I mean, I there's been so many prison shows over the years. There was Prison Break. There was, I believe, The Wire was one. There's been a, quite a few prison shows. And now I, I'm going to be admit with the Ramblers. I haven't watched a lot of them. I've, I've heard about them. Well, I never much of a prison show person. But this one does the job for me. I really like the first season. I'm very curious to see the fallout come season two because oh boy, there's going to be some. And and see where the characters go. So I, I would recommend it. it again, it, it's it can be very violent. It can be very tense. There is nudity in it. It's not for kids, but it is a fun ride. And I am continually being impressed by the, the stuff that Taylor Sheridan puts his name towards. One more thing I want to add at the end of this uh, review. The theme song for the show is another bang on winner. It is so ominous. It is so brooding. And like the other shows, like Yellowstone and 1983, yes, you have people like and it's a nice long theme song. You have, you know, image, you know, the, the, it's like the, the photo of the person because on the screen, like a, like a profile shot and their name and then a profile of the person and their name, like old school credit. So thank you. Keep up that work. Thank you, Taylor Sheridan. That is what I want to see. This is, let's get back to old school, man. And, and he once again delivers. I challenge you not to like this theme song. It is just so appropriate for the show. And they, they much like the Day 3, they also do it where, you know, some character goes away, they automatically, you know, adjust the the opening credits that way. So that is my take of the Mayor of Kingstown, season one on Blu-ray. Good to see you today, folks, and Paramount Pictures Home Entertainment.
Blu-ray movie review for this episode is DC League of Super Pets, 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 courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this movie to review for the show. The opinions I expressed are my own. Now, this is the, you know, latest <laughs> iteration of, of Crypto the Super Dog uh, that we have on the screen. Crypto has had a very interesting history over the years when it comes to his existence. He has been kind of written in and written out of the DC continuity for quite, quite some time. And prior to this animated feature, there used to be the Crypto Super Dog animated show. I have got a copy of that just recently sent to me. More than that, at the end of the show. So this is yet another iteration. This movie also teams up good old Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the voice of Crypto, and Chris Rock, who is now, in this movie, the voice of Ace the Bat Hound. So it's these two working together again, but animated. And that's kind of the appeal to it, too. It's like, well, what if they did a cop, you know, like a buddy, kind of animated movie together? This is, is, is very much like an origin story, in a way, and it shows the Justice League oof, in, in a different... It's almost like this show and Crypto the Superdog 
kind of moving the, the crypto show kind of like multiple like different earths like a parallel earth these did not take on the same earth now in this movie crypto they, they kind of changed the origin of superman there is a nice nod to the donner movies at the start of it but in this reality in this multiverse crypto hitched the ride with good old clark kent at you know when he, they get booted away from Krypton as it went blew up and kind of grown up with Clark as his super dog <laughs> and it is very much you know like man's best friend that can fly and talk now these are one of these movies it's one of these movies where the dogs the animals all talk together like all animals it's like the universe in anime universe where all animals can speak together it doesn't matter what species they all know how to communicate. Whereas I don't think really the humans hear them speak. You know, it's just woof, woof, bark, bark, meow, meow, whatever. Right? <laughs> like the animals don't, humans don't hear the animals talk at all. <laughs> Which is, it's funny. It's, it's one, of those, one of those realities, right? So it's them, the animals are just making animal noises. But to each of the other mammals, they're actually talking dialogue to each other. So that that's kind of premise that this <laughs> goes on. So you have you know, Dwayne as Crypto, Kevin Hart as Ace. The, the cast in this one is pretty good, man. You have John Karinsky as Superman. Yes, the guy who just played, you know, Reed Richards in Spider-Man No Way Home is your Superman in this. And and, and what happens is that uh, in this movie, Crypto uh, gets... Um, well, so, so Crypto meets up with these other animals who are part of a pet store. And in... And, and, and this is um, PB, uh, Vanessa Bayer, the, the pot-belly pig. I'm guessing that's what it was called. They never say that. Uh, Chip, the... I guess he's a squirrel, maybe? Uh, played by Diego Luna. Uh, you get Merton, who's the turtle, played by Natasha Leone, which is funny because it's kind of an androgynous kind of voice. And then you, yeah, so that that's kind of your 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 cast of characters there. All right, so you have those. So these these pets are in a store, and along them as well is this guinea pig called Lulu. Okay, <laughs> by voice by Kate McKinnon, and it, it's one of these over the top kind of villain voices. It's it's a guinea pig that's lost its fur. It used to be with LexCorp. And then it, and then it, it, I guess Lex got rid of it and into a home and it lost its fur, but it gained some kind of like super intelligence. And the way the movie starts is Lex is trying to bring down some, some kryptonite, right? He gets thwarted by, by, you know, crypto and Superman, but the chunk of the rock, you know, lands into this, you know, this animal rescue place. And it grants, it's trying to think of red kryptonite, and it, or was it red or some other color? And it grants Lulu, the guinea pig, these super psychic powers, and then she uses this rock, maybe even orange, but she uses this chunk of kryptonite, not only that it powers herself, but then all the other guinea pigs that are in this shelter, she pretty much brings them on as hench guinea pigs, and all these animals get powers too. One gets like a water, that's like the human torch guinea pig. One's a water one. And then one gets wings. One gets really huge. They all get these weird kind of 
powers. And Lulu, who is a reject of Lex, wants to take over the city. She wants to like beat Superman and then prove that she's really good, so Lex will take her back. That's kind of it. Now, Lex is this one who's played by Mark Maron. And this Lex, he really hands it up. Big time. Timey beaks. Uh, you also get um, you also get uh, uh, Thomas Middle Ditch as the Ice Guinea Pig Keith. Oh, only he gets the name. And then Ben Schwartz, yes, the voice of Sonic. It plays Mark, aka the Fire Guinea Pig. So that's then there. Lois Lane is played by Olivia Wilde, and you get uh, Mercy Graves, although she's barely used in this one, is played by Maya Erickson. Uh, and then you have a good cast of the Justice League uh, here. Keanu Reeves, is, Keanu Reeves is Batman, which is a really odd choice. And his Batman in this movie is so weird. Uh, Jamila, Jamila Jamil is the voice of Wonder Woman. Uh, Jermaine Clement is the voice of Aquaman. Uh, John Early is the voice of The Flash, and Desha Polanco is the voice of Green Lantern. And and not unless you know your comics, you're gonna go. Wait a minute, what Green Lantern is this? It's Jessica Cruz. A lot of people, if you don't, you're gonna like. That's not Hal Jordan, <laughs> but that is her. So so there's there's your Justice League. Kind of rounded up in this one. Uh, and then you also have Cyborg <laughs> with, I'm going to say it, he has a fro that is the weirdest looking fro I have ever seen on the character. It's like, and and, and this one too, they made Jessica Cruz. Typically in, in comics, she is, you know, a, a good, healthy, you know, fit, skinny, but not like a nice, well-shaped woman, right? And this one, Man, it's like, you know, we, we just got to make her a little bit heavier. I don't think that character has ever been that heavy in the comics. Ever. Uh, yeah, and Cyborg is played by David Diggs. <laughs> so so when so when Lulu gets her powers, gets the guinea pigs, the other pets in the shelter kind of gain powers themselves as well. So... Uh, Ace the Bat Hound uh, becomes, or is it soon to be Bat Hound? Ace becomes invulnerable. That's <laughs> big superpower. PB the pig gets shrinking and enlarging powers. Merton the turtle becomes a speedster because you know that makes total sense. And then Chip actually gets lightning powers, <laughs> like like black lightning <laughs> kind of powers. So these these misfits have to kind of save the day because uh, early on in the movie, good old Crypto, Super Dog, gets tricked into ingesting some kryptonite and and it doesn't kill him, but it takes away his powers. So while these new animals have just been powered up, he's powerless and he has to help trying to get them to save Superman because Lulu just... <laughs> she, she gets her powers... She takes down the whole bloody Justice League, like bam, bam, bam. Aquaman in this in this movie is a joke. I don't know if they just, if they, so 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 it's up to the super pets to stop Lulu and save the day. That that's kind of the premise of this whole movie. Overall, picture wise, it's a gorgeous looking movie. Like in 4K animation, just really really nails it. 
And as I said at the start, this feels like this is like a backdoor pilot for a TV show. Because <laughs> it's like DC's League of Super Pets, the animated show. Because the way it's like an origin story, it's all set up uh, that way. And, and each of these animals get linked with pets. Uh, although Chip eventually gets the... <laughs> his, he gets a bit of a power change, which is in line with the comics later on. Uh, it's a cute little movie. It's funny to hear Dwayne being crypto. <laughs> Him and Kevin Hart, though. Those, those two <laughs> really do a good job of bantering. I, I don't know if... If everybody liked the, this look of the Justice League, it is an odd, odd look. And they, for the most part, are your comic relief. Superman ain't so super <laughs> so much in this movie. And that's just the way it is. You know, I can't control that, but that is... It is It is funny. You know, it, it, it just... It's an odd way to portray the League. But you do get a lot of nods to, to some, like... It's a, a, a dirt load of Easter eggs too. A lot of it, a lot of Easter eggs that us older adults will get, but you know, right over the heads of some of the kids. Uh, special features: you do get how to draw crypto. I just love doing draw segments. I don't know why. Uh, behind the super voices, yes, a feature actually on the people doing the voices in the animated feature. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for that. It's so rare in animation any day. I like to see the things with people doing the voices. Uh, you get Super Pets Animation 101, another how to draw, or how to do, like, simple basic animation uh, with drawings. The world of Super Pets, find the Easter eggs and deleted scenes. No audio commentary. No director commentary. I would love to hear commentary in this one with Dwayne and Chris, you know, Chris. That, Chris Hart, that would have been just hilarious. Dwayne and Kevin Hart. That would have been just hilarious to hear those two kind of going at it in audio commentary because they riff on each other a lot. You see the interviews are hilarious. Overall, it's an interesting chapter to the to the franchise. It's funny in a way of the cover. It shows Lulu with the rest of the gang. It makes her look like she is a super pet and not like their enemy. I will comment, though, on the slipcover. This one is really cool. If you tilt it the right way in the light, a lot of the elements actually kind of have a nice little glow to me. You have a glow around um, the the uh, the ace outfit and and crypto's collar and and some of the outfits. Really cool how they, they did that. Just tilt it and you'll see. And, and then keep in mind though, the 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 pets, this gang of motley animals, they don't get these costumes until practically the end of the movie. So if you're thinking like they're gonna show that the whole movie, I said no. It takes a while. Overall, it's a fun little story, you know, a, a lighter side of soups, I guess. And because during this movie too, Superman is really kind of, <laughs> really, you know, getting closer to Lois Lane, and Crypto sees it as like, well, you know, she's a threat to me. <laughs> and the way he deals with it. The story of the movie is so funny. It's such a dog thing to do. Like, okay, see a threat. Threat. So that's that. Uh, I definitely this movie. I could either of them seen like a direct to video sequel in a year or two, or maybe not theatrical, or at very least a uh, brand new show on HBO Max. <laughs> uh, although they have cut down the animation a lot, so I don't know. It definitely seems like a pilot 
for for a TV show. Just the way it's written, you know, that's just the feeling I get. But uh, a fun little a fun little glance into the world of um, you know an, an alternative take into superheroes and the DCU with super pets thrown into boot. So that is my take of DC League of Super Pets on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment.
Second digital movie review for this episode is Thor, Love and Thunder, courtesy of Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, this, of course, is technically Thor 4, <laughs> which, you know, the first Thor was way back in 2011. And this continues, I guess, Thor's journey, if you will, into finding himself. At the end, of course, of the last movie, you know, Thor uh, Ragnarok, you know, the big guy was trying to find his place in the universe. You know, Asgard, he knew Asgard was destroyed. He lost his, you know, over the last year, he lost his father, then his brother and all, you know, so he's trying to get, you know, find himself again. And that's the kind of premise of this movie. It's once again directed by Taika Waititi. I thought, you know, for the most part, Ragnarok was fun. It was a different kind of take on the God of Thunder. A lot more humor in it. And this movie is very much the same. It's very much a Taika Waititi movie. Because the humor in this is all over the place. Also in this movie, good old uh, Jane Foster returns to the film, a lot more, I guess, powered up, <laughs> played by uh, Natalie Portman. And it's funny, you know, I heard before this movie started, oh, you know, she looks so weird in this film. And yeah, <laughs> it, it's funny how they did this, because when she's just good old plain Jane and not the mighty Thor, she's, you know, looks like a regular Natalie Portman, right? Like not any different than any other she's ever looked. But when she Thorizes, and I know that's not a real word, but I'm going to use it anyway. When she gets the power of the mighty Thor, uh, they, they really bulk her up, like arms, muscle-wise. It's really crazy how they do that. So the, the main plot around Thor 4, besides, you know, Thor trying to get back, you know, just kind of straighten up his life, we get introduced to a brand new character, and, and people have pointed out this before, and I'll, I'll agree with that. DC villains, as good as they are, don't last very long. Uh, so your main big bad in this one is the God Killer, and that is played by good old Christian Bale. And it is funny, you know, Gore the God Killer. He looks, in this film, he looks nothing... <clears throat> what's cool in this movie is that under all that makeup you really can't see Christian Bale at all you know like, this is the guy that used to be freaking Batman <laughs> and he plays this character and his act actions are kind of justified it starts off that <laughs> in this movie Gore had a young daughter and you know and they always worship the gods and that and that and where he lived the, you know, the, the, the crops died and all these bad things happened <laughs> including the death of his daughter. And he went to the gods and he said, why, you know, why did you let this happen? Why are you letting us suffer? And unfortunately the gods he had were like, you know, stuff happens. And, and they, they just kind of brush him off. Well, that was the wrong thing to do. Cause they brush him off. He loses his faith in his local gods and stumbles upon this weapon that can kill a god. And they're like permadeath. Because usually most gods are immortal, so 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 they stumble. So he stumbles upon that, then kills his first god, and, and then goes on a rampage spree, killing all the other gods. Now it's funny, you know, they, they hype this guy up as the god killer, yet you only actually see him kill at the start one god. That's it. You think, 
where's the montage of going through the, you know, mythical world and just hoofing off people? But I guess maybe they thought there was a tad bit violent. <laughs> and to keep the rating, you know, at a decent level, they, they let it slide. But <laughs> that's, that's, you know, the premise of it. Along the way, you know, to, to better himself, he is joined by good old Jane Foster, Mighty Thor. And there is a catch to her getting those powers. And and you'll see that explained. And Valkyrie is back, too. Although she doesn't like being the king. I think she's getting kind of bored with it. And that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, yeah, so there's that going on. And it's, it's, it's an interesting movie in that it also fills in the gaps of the Thor and Jane Foster relationship. Because in the previous kind of movies, all the Marvel movies, it was touched on that those two had a relationship, but they never really showed it, to my knowledge. And this time you get to see them like living together and, you know, going through stuff. And it puts a little bit of like, oh, so that's what it looked like. So that's kind of a nice nod to see because a lot of people, you know, before were like, you know, where, where is that kind of stuff? And, and it just, <laughs> it wasn't there for so it's nice to see finally the back history of these two characters because that really helps bring up the stakes and it comes to this. So basically the plot is, you know, like Jane Foster is suffering and she's losing hope of being cured. Then she says, hey, let's go visit Mjolnir because it's a magical hammer. And this is, you know, the same hammer that Hela broke smattered across the peaches, but I guess through the magic of mythology, it reformed. Now, it's funny about Mjolnir is it the hammer reform, but it's not not totally solid. It, it can do this really weird trick where she can chuck it, little chunks of it fly off at them and, and totally decimates their defenses. So with that in play, the basic premise is that Thor needs to stop, you know, this god butcher from killing all the gods and kind of, you know, redeem himself. It's very much a store, uh, Thor kind of redemption story. And it, it's a weird thing with two of this hammer because not only does Jane come back, but Mjolnir comes back. And you've always thought he has kind of a relationship with his weapons. And his new one, Stormbreaker, kind of gets jealous. <laughs> of, of the other one coming back. It's weird. I never think a mythical weapon could get jealous, but it kind of does uh, in this. And it, it's it's an odd thing. The, the, the action, the humor, it's there. The Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, are at the start of this movie, but man, yeah, blink and they're gone. They're very little in this. It's like at the start, they do a little thing with Thor, Thor goes, see you, bye, and they're gone for the movie. So they're briefly in it. That's it. Just enough to see Thor. Bye, yeah. So, these, you know, it's a continuity of, of what um, Endgame ended. So there, there's that. Um, and it really is him come, just coming to grips with things. Now, Jane does have an ending. Whether you think that ending is appropriate whether they'll do anything more with Natalie after this movie. I don't know. It did. They give a nice cameo to another character from the Thor franchise, which is kind of cool, uh, which maybe we'll see again. Maybe we won't, but it was a nice kind of throwback to that. I mean, overall, I mean, 
And and the and then this movie has two endings. So it has one ending involving what I just talked about, and another ending involving uh, a character that's introduced in the end of the film too. And I don't know <laughs> where they're going. Like this movie ended with Thor will return, so theoretically there's a Thor five. I don't know where they're gonna go with it. What kind of plot development? Because uh, it's. At the end of the movie, you find out why it's called Love and Thunder, and it's not what you think. <laughs> so keep that in mind. It's kind of like, whoop. Music is pretty good. It's it's very much kind of rock. It's a lot of kind of music that younger kids would go, if I had to play that old credit music, and it's like, tough luck, kiddies. So it's a decent soundtrack, per se. And, and a lot of it's gorgeous. You have some great cameos in this one. Russell Crowe plays Zeus. And he scams it up so much. And, and one of the endings does, you know, bring up a very interesting possibility to Thor 5 and what's going to happen. Like, it really is there. And there's a character that shows up. And unless you know your Marvel comics really good, because it's a very fleeting glimpse of this character, you're going to go, who's that guy? And it's cool to see that there may be a live action version of that character. Or they'll bait and switch us and do something else. But that that's kind of cool. And, and it's very much is a, a Thor kind of said Jane reconciliation. There is one point, though, near the end where Thor has to enlist some of the Asgardian kids to help him out uh, that were captured. They were sent there to rescue. I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is a little questionable, but <laughs> what you're doing, you're temporarily and doing some serious powers here. And a lot of those kids are probably going to suffer from a little bit of PTSD. <laughs> it's like, couldn't you just put them somewhere safe and have the whole thing itself? No, I need the help of children. So overall, I mean, it, it is an interesting entry into the Thor franchise. If you didn't like ta uh, the, the, the Ragnarok, you thought it oh, wasn't serious enough. It was too jokey-jokey. Uh, this may not be for you. I thought the Hall of the Gods, though, that was a really cool visual. <laughs> and then it is it is a purpose. It is the, the Thor redemption story, for lack of a better term. Now, keep in mind, I only did get the digital code for this. I was hoping to get a screener link so I could actually tell you about the, all the extras that came with this release, because there is quite a few, but at the time of this recording, I was not able to get that. So hopefully, if I can in your future, I'll maybe do like a mini little extra review and talk about the extras that would have come with a physical copy of this. So we'll see if that's to come, but I, you know, some things I just can't predict. One comment about the ending before I end this review. I don't know where they're going to go with Thor 5. Uh, I, with, with, with the one extra scene, okay. I could see where you're going to go with that. Uh, but how it's going to work with the other additional scene at the end. I don't know. I don't know how they write it. I'm not even sure if Taco Watini is going to have the, the sixth movie. I think he originally was supposed to have the fifth movie, which would make his third. But after the response to this one, I think might just get a new director. We'll have to wait and see, Ramblers. We'll have to wait and see. So that is my take of Thor, Love and Thunder on digital. Courtesy of the great folks, Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment.
that's it for this episode of the show. I hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can check me out on Twitter. I'm at Rambling Russ, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. I appreciate all the retweets and followers I have on Twitter. And if you follow me, I will follow you on Twitter. I usually post up all the uh, new show uh, postings and announcements. Any kind of cover art that I, you know, that comes with the releases, I usually post it up with my reviews. Just to give you an idea of what to look for if you're interested in checking any of the fine videos I review out there. And, of course, you can check out uh, all new episodes right here on the TalkShoe Network. I'm caller ID 18411. That's brand new episodes right here, as well as on Google Play and Spotify. If you're listening to the show through TalkShoe, just keep in mind, they do like to put in these little 30-second ads before you actually hear the intro music to the show. Don't be thrown off by them. Sometimes it's a guy selling real estate here in Niagara. Sometimes it's a weird foreign language thing. I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> it's only usually 30 seconds. You don't want to listen to it you know, scoot a bit ahead and then you can get the start of the show. Just don't be thrown off by that. This is how TalkShoe does things. I don't think my other feeds do that to me. Just, just TalkShoe. So keep that in mind. Well, I'm not sure if it carries on some of the other ones as well. So just, you know. You can check out all our episodes on my original internet on Libsyn. That's HTTP full colon backslash backslash Ramblingrus, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S dot Libsyn, that's dot L-I-B-S-Y is in the Yankee and is in November dot com. That's virtual home on your net where I have over six plus years of podcasting goodness going from 2006 to about 2013. And I switched to a more permanent regular gig here on TalkShoe. Lots of great old interviews, reviews, some, some coverage from good old Fan Expo from about 1998. That's not the date. About 2008 to about 2012. And lots of uh, good retro content. If you want to check it out, you can check it out there. On, of course, across many other web directories across worldwide podcast directories across worldwide web and in iTunes under podcast. Just type in Ramble Russell in the search engine, and you'll find my links to episodes of the old show there. If you want to check them out, <laughs> what's coming up on future episodes of the show? A lot, as I said, the start of the show. You know, September, October. It's like. Christmas comes early for me when it comes to reviews. I have so much to watch, and I'm doing my best to get through it all. Although, uh, it's slog, but it's a good slog, as I always like to say. <laughs> what I'm currently working on and getting through, I am getting through the um, second season of Picard on Blu-ray, courtesy of Paramount, Home, Paramount Pictures Home Entertainment. And, and as a bonus, you'll get my season one and season two review of that show. Because I, I did a little bit of catch-up season one. That is coming up. A little Star Trek for y'all. As well, uh, from uh, from the great folks of Paramount, NCIS Hawaii, season one on DVD. Yeah, I don't often do procedural dramas, but I love Hawaii. You put a show in Hawaii, I'm down like dinner. So we'll talk about that. And speaking of Hawaii, also uh, an upcoming show, you'll have my review of The White Lotus, the complete first season, courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment, set in Hawaii about a really wacky <laughs> resort where, ooh, let's say, um, the, the guests have some quite interesting experiences there in the tropical isles. And uh, also from Warner Brothers, uh, the uh, latest DCU show to hit TV uh, from HBO Max. And that is Peacemaker, the first season on Blu-ray. Sorry, good old John Cena. I talked about this show previously when it first aired, but I'll give you my Blu-ray review as well as the extras that came with the Blu-ray. So 
I will revisit on good old Peacemaker. And also from uh, Paramount, uh, some more animated features uh, 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 featuring the movie Rumble uh, and Blu-ray and Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank with a really interesting voice cast, including good old Michael Cera, Samuel L. Jackson, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Gabriel Iglesias, good old Fluffy, and George Takai. An animated feature. There is quite the cast of characters. That is coming up. And, you know, um, so we have that animated-wise. So uh, the animation stuff will continue on the show for a short time being anyways. And speaking of animation, I alluded to this earlier. You'll have my TV show and DVD review of Crypto, the Super Dog, the complete series. They were nice enough to send that to me. Little Warner Brothers, so I'll give you my review of that show, which that theme song doesn't stick in your head after watching a lot of times. Good on you. Also, uh, from Paramount, they sent me the nice steelbook. Hear that? Steelbook edition of Mean Girls, the burn book edition of Mean Girls on Blu-ray, courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment. I don't often do this, but they sent it to me, so I feel I need to talk about it. A classic 1990s movie, a little retro there for y'all. And uh, I did get the second season of Kung Fu, the brand new Kung Fu show. So I'm going to try to get watch the first and get to the second. So that's on the docket. I also did get the second season of Walker, the new Walker show uh, from Paramount. It soon gets through the first. That's kind of in the works, as well as season five of Young Shara Sheldon from Warner Bros. Home Entertainment. And, and I did receive not too long ago, Seasons five and six of Lucifer. I'm still trying to make my way through the early seasons of Lucifer. I've gone to season three. Uh, so I'm making my way through. Uh, and once it's done, I my goal is I'm going to try to get the Lucifer stuff done before October's done. Keep with the Halloween stuff. So there'll be a whole lot of tales of the devil coming up on the show. So far, I like it. It's fun, but I'm curious to see how it ends out because Lucifer is one of these shows that the first four seasons were aired on the good old CW, got canceled from the CW, and then five and six was picked up by Netflix. So I'm curious to see how that happens. Uh, but I like it, and even Trisha, and even there's an actor, an actress from another other shows that's in this that I'm thinking like. You need to see another, another show. So that's all coming up on future episodes of the show. I am hoping later down the line to get a copy, a review copy of Gotham Knights for my Xbox Series X. That game looks the bomb, the bomb, the bomb. And I do want to check that out. So I have a request in for that, Knockwood. And I'm hoping I will get a copy of that to play because I like to be a good DC game. And that's something I want to check out for sure. So that's all coming up on future episodes of the Very Program. And before I close off the show, just a reminder as well that I do have an Amazon wishlist page that is up for the show. If you want to contribute to the show, if you want to be a part of the show and control the narrative, this is the way to do it. I put up a wishlist on Amazon and links for it are in the, the, the web address is in the show notes. And I have put that up on Twitter before. And what it is, I put together a bunch of things that I consider talking about, consider reviewing the show, but I, you know, I'm kind of gauging interest. 
So anything uh, that gets gets bought on that wish list and sent to me, I will absolutely review on the show. I will credit you for sending it to me. If you want to be anonymous, you totally can. It's a wide variety of things. I try to update on a semi-regular basis. And this is your way of one, controlling what I review and giving back to the show. I don't have Discord. I don't have YouTube membership. I don't ask you guys for anything money-wise to, to keep the show going. I've been doing this for over 16 years. But this is an idea I have. I'm testing it out. I want to see if you guys want to, you know, help with the show and maybe control what I talk about. A little bit of, you know, listener, listener and interaction I'm trying to do on this program. There's a wide variety of prices. Spend what you could afford. I'm not asking you all to spend a fortune on me, but it's a lot of, it's a wide variety of things. Some things I put up there I don't usually talk about on the show because I don't know if there's an interest. And I only have so much money to invest in things. So... It's, it's there, and if you want me to talk about it, I will. And some of those items on that list, I will also talk about the show. I will try to put up pictures of what I talk about. Try to make this more of an interactive multimedia show. I know I still need to put up, um, at the time of this recording, pictures of, of the uh, extra interviews uh, from the uh, Bandit movie. Yeah, although by the time you listen to this, I may, they already may be up there. <laughs> <laughs> Timey wimey. Um, but yeah, uh, just a way of if, if you guys can do it, it'd be great. If you don't, just your continued listenership and downloading, downloading and spreading the word is brings worms a smile to my heart. And and, uh, and I hope um, I hope uh, you keep joining the show. I just ask for a little bit to give back. That's all. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time right here on Rambled Russell. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.